brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All the English or the English might kill the last German without affecting in the slightest degree either the outcome of even the smallest skirmish upon the Western Front or the opinion of a single individual in any belligerent or neutral country. I therefore put the issue squarely to you all. Shall we bury our animosities and work together with and for one another while we remain upon Caprona, or must we continue thus divided and but half-armed, possibly until death has claimed the last of us? And let me tell you, if you have not already realized it, the chances are a thousand to one that not one of us ever will see the outside world again. We are safe now in the matter of food and water, we could provision the U-33 for a long cruise, but we are practically out of fuel, and without fuel we cannot hope to reach the ocean, as only a submarine can pass through the barrier cliffs. What is your answer? I turned toward von Schoenvorts. He eyed me in that disagreeable way of his, and demanded to know, in case they accepted my suggestion, what their status would be in event of our finding a way to escape with the U-33. I replied that I felt that if we had all worked loyally together, we should leave Caprona upon a common footing, and to that end I suggested that should the remote possibility of our escape in the submarine develop into reality, we should then immediately make for the nearest neutral port and give ourselves into the hands of the authorities, when we should all probably be interned for the duration of the war. To my surprise, he agreed that this was fair and told me that they would accept my conditions and that I could depend upon their loyalty to the common cause. I thanked him and then addressed each one of his men individually, and each gave me his word that he would abide by all that I had outlined. It was further understood that we were to act as a military organization under military rules and discipline. I, as commander, with Bradley as my first lieutenant, and Olson as my second, in command of the Englishman, while von Schoenwurz was to act as an additional second lieutenant and have charge of his own men. The four of us were to constitute a military court, 
under which men might be tried and sentenced to punishment for infraction of military rules and discipline, even to the passing of the death sentence. I then had arms and ammunition issued to the Germans, and leaving Bradley and five men to guard the U-33, the balance of us went ashore. The first thing we did was to taste the water of the little stream, which to our delight we found sweet, pure, and cold. This stream was entirely free from dangerous reptiles, because, as I later discovered, they became immediately dormant when subjected to a much lower temperature than seventy degrees Fahrenheit. They dislike cold water, and keep as far away from it as possible. There were countless brook trout here, and deep holes that invited us to bathe, and along the bank of the stream were trees bearing a close resemblance to ash and beech and oak, their characteristics evidently induced by the lower temperature of the air above the cold water, and by the fact that their roots were watered by the water from the stream rather than from the warm springs which we afterward found in such abundance elsewhere. Our first concern was to fill the water tanks of the U-33 with fresh water, and that having been accomplished, we set out to hunt for game and explore inland for a short distance. Olsen, von Schoendorf, two Englishmen and two Germans accompanied me, leaving ten to guard the ship and the girl. I had intended leaving Nobbs behind, but he got away and joined me and was so happy over it that I hadn't the heart to send him back. We followed the stream upward through a beautiful country for about five miles, and then came upon its source in a little boulder-strewn clearing. From among the rocks bubbled fully twenty ice-cold springs. North of the clearing rose sandstone cliffs to a height of some fifty to seventy-five feet, with tall trees growing at their base and almost concealing them from our view. To the west the country was flat and sparsely wooded, and here it was that we saw our first game, a large red deer. It was grazing away from us and had not seen us when one of my men called my attention to it. Motioning for silence and having the rest of the party lie down, I crept toward the quarry, accompanied only by Whiteley. We got within a hundred yards of the deer when he suddenly raised his antlered head and pricked up his great ears. We both fired at once and had the satisfaction of seeing the buck drop. Then we ran forward to finish him with our knives. The deer lay in a small open space close to a clump of acacias, and we had advanced to within several yards of our kill when we both halted suddenly and simultaneously. Whiteley looked at me, and I looked at Whiteley, and then we both looked back in the direction of the deer. "'Blimey!' he said. "'What is it, sir?' "'It looks to me, Whiteley, like an error,' I said. "'Some assistant god who had been creating elephants must have been temporarily transferred to the lizard department.' "'I wouldn't sigh that, sir,' said Whiteley. "'It sounds blasphemous.' "'It is more blasphemous than that thing which is swiping our meat,' I replied, "'for whatever the thing was, it had leaped upon our deer "'and was devouring it in great mouthfuls, "'which it swallowed without mastication. "'The creature appeared to be a great lizard at least ten feet high, "'with a huge, powerful tail as long as its torso, "'mighty hind legs and short forelegs.' When it had advanced from the wood, it hopped much after the fashion of a kangaroo, using its hind feet and tail to propel it, and when it stood erect it sat upon its tail. 
Its head was long and thick with a blunt muzzle, and the opening of the jaws ran back to a point behind the eyes, and the jaws were armed with long, sharp teeth. The scaly body was covered with black and yellow spots about a foot in diameter, and irregular in contour. These spots were outlined in red, with edgings about an inch wide. The underside of the chest, body, and tail were a greenish-white. "'What say we pot the bloomin' bird, sir?' suggested Whiteley. I told him to wait until I gave the word. Then we would fire simultaneously, he at the heart and I at the spine. "'At the heart, sir? Yes, sir,' he replied, and raised his piece to his shoulder. Our shots rang out together. The thing raised its head and looked about until its eyes rested upon us. Then it gave vent to a most appalling hiss that rose to the crescendo of a terrific shriek and came for us. "'Beat it, Whiteley!' I cried as I turned to run. We were about a quarter of a mile from the rest of our party, and in full sight of them as they lay in the tall grass watching us. That they saw all that had happened was evidenced by the fact that they now rose and ran toward us, and at their head leaped Nobs. The creature in our rear was gaining on us rapidly when Nobs flew past me like a meteor and rushed straight for the frightful reptile. I tried to recall him, but he would pay no attention to me, and as I couldn't see him sacrificed, I too stopped and faced the monster. The creature appeared to be more impressed with Nobs than by us and our firearms, for it stopped as the Airedale dashed at it growling and struck at him viciously with its powerful jaws. Nobs, though, was lightning by comparison with the slow-thinking beast, and dodged his opponent's thrust with ease. Then he raced to the rear of the tremendous thing and seized it by the tail. There Nobs made the error of his life. Within that mottled organ were the muscles of a titan, the force of a dozen mighty catapults, and the owner of the tail was fully aware of the possibilities which it contained. With a single flip of the tip, it sent poor Nobs sailing through the air a hundred feet above the ground, straight back into the clump of acacias from which the beast had leaped upon our kill, and then the grotesque thing sank lifeless to the ground. Olsen and von Schoenvorts came up a minute later with their men. Then we all cautiously approached the still form upon the ground. The creature was quite dead, and an examination resulted in disclosing the fact that Whiteley's bullet had pierced its heart, and mine had severed the spinal cord. "'But why didn't it die instantly?' I exclaimed. "'Because,' said von Schoenberts, in his disagreeable way, "'the beast is so large, and its nervous organization of so low a caliber, that it took all this time for the intelligence of death to reach and be impressed upon the minute brain. The thing was dead when your bullet struck it, but it did not know it for several seconds, possibly a minute. If I am not mistaken, it is an allosaurus of the upper Jurassic, remains of which have been found in central Wyoming in the suburbs of New York. An Irishman by the name of Brady grinned. I afterward learned that he had served three years on the traffic squad of the Chicago police force. I had been calling Nobs in the meantime, and was about to set out in search of him, fearing to tell the truth to do so, lest I find him mangled and dead among the trees of the acacia grove, when he suddenly emerged from among the bulls, his ears flattened, his tail between his legs, and his body screwed into a suppliant S. 
He was unharmed except for minor bruises, but he was the most chastened dog I have ever seen. We gathered up what was left of the red deer after skinning and cleaning it, and set out upon our return journey toward the U-boat. On the way, Olson, von Schoenvorts, and I discussed the needs of our immediate future, and we were unanimous in placing foremost the necessity of a permanent camp on shore. The interior of a U-boat is about as impossible and uncomfortable an abiding place as one can well imagine, and in this warm climate and in warm water it was almost unendurable. So we decided to construct a palisaded camp. End of chapter 5、Lucky、Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.